Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of Jerky Video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched House Party 2. on 1991 Movie Rewind, year two. In House Party 2, Kid is heading off to college to get the education that his recently deceased father has always wanted for him. Unfortunately, Play has the tuition check that Kid accidentally left behind and gives the money to a record producer who turns out to be a scam artist. Kid is on the verge of being kicked out of school if he can't raise $10,000 in a single week. Perhaps there is some sort of event they can hold. Screenplay by Rusty Cundiff, and Daryl G. Nickens, directed by George Jackson and Doug McHenry, and released on October 23rd, 1991. Now, I don't have to ask you if you've seen House Party 2 before, (laughs) (laughs) because we've seen the first three movies together before. Yes. Long time ago. It's been over a decade, I'm imagining at this point. Yes. (laughs) But we have. Um, I don't know if you remembered much of the movie though so i mean how does it no, compare to I mean, your past experience if I, you remember it this i the first time i watched this movie i was maybe high school or maybe eighth grade or something but yeah i did not i got two and three confused i remember the yeah. pajama party that's it yeah I remember him going to college, but I don't remember, like, the check and the scamming. Yeah, I don't remember any of that either. Uh, and then House Party 3, because then I I remember there was, like, more people, like, more famous artists. Yeah, 3 besides... introduced additional I remember, musical like, groups. and um... like, another bad creation or something. No, I figured, was it that? I think it's, like, immature. Oh, okay. I remember it was, like, a younger group. It was the it was the group of the guy who was in Sister, Sister. Oh, okay. I think that was That immature. was in, what's that movie we watch? I don't remember. That dance movie. Roll Bounce? <laughs> breaking 2. <laughs> no, no, not Breaking, breaking 2. We... Oh, 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 You Got Served is what Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, wasn't he, he was in that. I think so. Okay, well, yeah, I got two and three confused. (laughs) I did too. Um, I think I largely blocked this one out of my memory because it's not very good. Yes. Um, Sort of like how I try to pretend that Die Hard 2 doesn't exist in, you know, of the original three, Die Hard 2 is by far the weakest. Of the original three house parties, 2 is by far the weakest. Like, 3 is good. It's, it, yeah, because I, mean, it I think fun. they're back at a house doing a house party. Yeah, what really hurts this one is that they don't even mention a house party until an hour into the hour and a half long movie. Yeah, I was like, are they going to get to the party <laughs> <laughs> at all in this entire movie? There's just so much set up and, and yeah. um, kid, you know, trying to establish himself in this college and and learn about life and and um 
I don't know, coming of age in a sense that we miss a lot of the fun quirky characters that made the original movie interesting. Yeah. So it's it's nice that they have some insightful moments, you know, like when he's talking to the professor and whatnot, but you don't really get to see a whole lot of people um, that you haven't seen before. And the ones that we do get introduced to are largely very serious. Like the professor, like Mr. Lee, the military chef. Mm-hmm. Like Zora, who's Sydney's roommate, played by Queen Latifah. Yeah. Um, they're not jokey, quirky, fun characters. They're there to, you know, talk about the real world. And, you know, here's what it's like to be in this situation that you're in right now. Mm-hmm. So it kind of sucks a lot of the life out of the movie. Yeah. It's... Yeah, a kid and what's mostly kid going to college. Yeah, Play is working as a manager at a record store. Yeah, and... And hoping um, to get a record deal. Kid's going to college because, you know, his father, his late father wanted him to go to college. And then the church that he belonged to, they all gathered this money for him to go to college to pay for his tuition like what for all four years or just for that year i have no idea i don't because i think it was nineteen thousand dollars is ten thousand oh ten i thought i thought yeah it was was only ten but i mean i don't even know if it was all from the church i thought he was just sort of going there to go there and showed that yeah the community is supporting him since he's you know oh i thought the community gathered all their money together to give him money to go to college i don't know i I assumed it was because his father really wanted it his father and i I don't know if he's they don't show him in a house so i don't know if he's like still living at that house you know since we we didn't we see in the beginning that after his father died, is he living with play? I don't know, but possibly. I don't think they establish they, it very clearly. They don't, but I... Because they... When he's getting ready to go to college, and he's, like, packing all of his stuff. Right, it's all going into play's car. Yeah, but, but then he was like, oh, I had good... Yeah, from. he's like, oh, I had real good memories here, and I want to thank you for... He sort of like think play as if he was oh, living okay. with play for like a year or something. Okay. I don't know. It could be. But okay, so house party, what so were they juniors when they had that? And then they're seniors. I'm not sure what year they were for house party one. Okay. They were in I, high school. I was like junior still. or senior. I'm thinking junior or senior year. My guess would maybe be senior just because you know, that one came out in 1990. This one came out in 1991. And so I don't know if they would have like a Like the beginning gap of senior year? Probably. Something or like end that. of junior year and in going into senior year. Sure. <laughs> I mean, just... it kind of doesn't matter too much, I guess, because I don't know. The way they handle time in general in this movie oh, bothered yeah. me a lot. Well, the way that... Uh... I was like, is this college literally 20 minutes away? Because he's always going back and forth to, like, where kid or where play is at. It's definitely very close. 
It has to be in the town. Which is fine because, I mean, where we live, there's... In our city limits, Yeah, and, there are major colleges that are within like a half hour of us. And we don't know how major of a college this is. It's enough to have... I mean, it seems big enough because they got dorms. dorms and stuff. But those are really... I mean, they're basically just houses they're renting out to people, right? Because, I don't know... The name of his dorm was called Trump Hall. Did you notice yeah, that? Yeah, but it was like also just like a house. Yeah, but it said freshman dorm, which was one big I house know. called Trump Hall. But I think there was probably... I, we don't know how many other people were living there, but him and Cameron in that had like a massive, massive room. And Zora so, like, and Sydney random. had massive rooms, like a, basically oh, like a yeah. full-ass suite to themselves. So, I mean, they're basically just renting out portions of houses to students. It's not like a straight-up like dormitory with like a tower, or, like a large building. It's just like individual houses that, you know. Yeah, are... this I don't know. It's not like so. Who knows how big the felicity. college actually is? My college. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything about college dorms. I just know from like watching Felicity and stuff. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> See, yeah, when I was at school, I had a, I was in one of like a one of three towers that yeah. were there, right? And so like they each had like fifteen, seventeen floors or whatever, and so multiple hallways within that. So you know, cramped spaces, and you had like a shared bathroom, which is like a big benefit. And then or you know, yeah, just okay. basically like motel type of a size thing where you have two or three floors, and you know. 20 something rooms on each floor that's typical dorm okay yeah I think okay, closer yeah. to like what we saw on necessary roughness yeah even though that was a brief scene like that type of commonality this was a straight-up house so yeah it looked like they were just sharing one big giant room yeah which was weird but when they <laughs> but... show okay when we're fast forwarding all the way to the near the end after the party when they do that chase scene that's in like a dorm building because there's that's like what it seems like yeah that's what it looked like because they were going through random rooms and people are like running out in their pajamas and blah, whatever but i don't know what that was actually used for because this is on top of a dining hall that was supposed to be locked yeah i was so, like, like so is this a dorm house and the dining hall is underneath and all the dorms are above it yeah but what are those rooms used otherwise for i have no idea like that's i thought it was like a hall like a dorm room hallway because there was just long hallways and people running in and out of rooms yeah i don't know if it actually is a used dorm because you have the callback to the guy yeah from the first first one but he's like you know having sex with a college girl, because he's like, oh, this Probably college. Don't see the girl. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that's he what he said, says. He said, like, oh, I like getting this college yeah. P word. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we want to go, like, X-rated. And then I was like, but I thought that guy in the first movie was married to the woman he was having sex with in that first in the first movie there's nothing to say he still isn't yeah I know. but know? then i was like i it's hope just... that girl is over 18 it's not something you're supposed to think about too seriously it's just I mean, a way to wedge in I th- another call back i thought of, yeah movie. i thought about too many things that were too serious i don't know like this movie i mean it goes to some serious places at, at times but 
not um, not that heavy, right? So I mean, I mean the whole like the races. I mean, you got like off the bat, you have his roommate Jamal played by Cameron. Yeah, sorry, I, I, I obvious... call him by his <laughs> yeah, yeah. rap name. I mean, he's obviously... I mean, this is what you see in, like, 90s college movies, like, you know, PCU or whatever. It's always, There's always, like, a white guy with dreads who wants to be black. It's like this cultural appropriation, like, off the bat. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, that's played by a member of the rap group Young Black Teenagers. Yes. Yeah. So he's... And I was like, this is cringe. Um, yeah, I mean, but it's meant to be that way. You know, yeah. like, he's he's intent... Uh, part of the appeal and part of the comedic nature of his character is that he is trying to... Right. Yeah, assimilate. And... Black culture. Appropriate. Yes. Yeah. But it's just like... Kid and player just they accept that. Yeah. Which is, you know. But even and then you have like Queen Latifah's character. She's like the pro black power and you know, hyper feminine feminist like woman. And then even like this is another like cringy thing when like Tisha Campbell or Sydney uh, meets her as her roommate and you know Zora's like you know telling her about you know you don't need like any man and you know he's not a real man he's a boy and blah blah, blah. and then Sydney is like oh are you gay and she's like no and it was just like okay so a strong black woman is automatically seen as being gay it's yeah welcome to early 90s i i know i started that we like all this stuff i was like uh like the the, entire movie (laughs) i mean keep in mind like the first house party dropped the 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 f slur oh yeah a couple times as well so you have a lot of that still more widely accepted in pop culture Mm -hmm. that hasn't you know aged as well now um and there's some other racial moments in this as well like yeah there's a, a lot talking to jamal <laughs> well not and, a lot there was just and then it's all like looney tunesy yeah with, with the noises like when they come across like yeah when he's waiting in line to get his books for school and the woman checking doing the checking out of the books she's asian and then he makes like this yeah, she makes some sort of comment from. about, like, back, you know, back home. And he's like, oh, where are you from, Japan? And, right. And she's like, well, no, where are you from, Africa? Right, but so then he, they play this music, like, Asian music, and then the African, like, drums. Yes. When they mention this. And I was like, oh, my God, can we not? Yeah. <laughs> I was just, like, shaking my head. Or when you realize he doesn't have to check, he's, like, you know, in line, and he's talking to a person with an Indian accent. and Right, right, right. Pretends like he can't understand him, even though it's really easy to understand right. this person. Uh, and he tells, you know, Jamal to talk white. So, I mean, like, there's, you know, there's moments in there. Yeah. Um, that are uncomfortable in that way yeah the sound effects are definitely best described as looney tunes and it happens pretty much right out the gate and does not let up uh 
does not add anything to it. It just it really kind of pulls you out of things. It's almost like if they were to add a laugh track, except worse. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I was thinking, I was like, did I like this when I was younger? <laughs> <laughs> I. The, you might have liked some of the situations and like individual moments. Yeah, I think whole. I liked, you know, like the three guys, the force. What, full uh, force? Full force guys, because I just like the peewee guy. Like, he always made me laugh, mainly because of his voice. I'm surprised he didn't do more acting after this. He didn't really do a whole lot. None of them did. I mean, they're... But Pee-wee mostly, especially had some good comedic delivery. Mostly him. Like, the other guys, they were both kind of... It's kind of like... They were their Mo, Larry, Curly, yeah. and then... Mm-hmm. Pee-wee is the funny one of the three. Yeah, Pee-wee is the... Is the curly. Yeah. <laughs> he has the, the high voice. He has the catchphrase, too. I'm gonna kick your fucking ass. Yeah. And, you know... Um, I thought also that, like what's up with that I think was yeah, yeah is yeah. that what he said I thought maybe not exactly but that was hilarious when I was younger yeah and they, even now I don't know what yeah. he says because he has good delivery with that line he's he's you know he knows how to he knows how to do it and that that comes in like right away uh, because at the very beginning of the movie <laughs> I know we're going all over the place here yeah um, there's a dream sequence so you know. The movie starts with, like, In Loving Memory of Pops, Robin Harris, who passed away shortly after the first movie released. So we don't get his presence at all, except for in archival yeah. footage. You know, a couple repeated lines from the first movie that appears in, like, a picture frame or a dream sequence or whatever. And his presence is missed in this. But... yeah. So, Kid is having some sort of a, a nightmare type of a scenario where... A lot of people in graduation robes are circling and dancing, and there's like smoke and black backgrounds, and like Whoopi Goldberg is there as an uncredited cameo as some sort of professor who's there to basically fail kid. Yeah, and then I was like, how come she didn't actually play a professor in the his real life? I don't know. I was I wonder, like, why like, is she the evil professor in his nightmares? Like, was it... Was he actually imagining Whoopi Goldberg as, like, a known celebrity in that scenario? And that's why? That, or... I, I thought, because when, when he first had that nightmare before he was going to start school, I thought she was going to be a future professor of his. Yeah, but, but she's no. not. She only appears a couple times as, like, a... The you know, professor in his nightmares. A cackling, yeah, you know, evil entity who's giving him an F. F minus. And I was like, here we go with F minuses. Mm-hmm. Is that where the beginning of F minuses started? <laughs> no, that probably started decades earlier. Uh, I, like, I was like, our second F minus. But, um, yeah, and then, yeah, while that's happening, then the full force crew comes in and, um, yeah, Pee Wee says, gonna kick your fucking ass and i think that's about when he wakes up at the start uh but yeah they they're able to find a way to factor into the plot because full force goes to the record store to get a job um play doesn't want to hire them because of their past history and so instead uh their grandmother finds them a job on campus as security so all three of them are now campus security and they can go around and be part of the plot yeah and story so that allows them to be there, which is which is nice. Uh, 
And Bilal is also there. Martin Lawrence's character. He's just kind of there sort of like a as a hanger-on. He doesn't... He's almost... Um, he basically acts as like the moral compass for yeah, play. Yeah, I like Bilal yeah, in I do this too. movie. And he was the moral compass in the first one too, to a degree. I mean, right. obviously he was, you know, woman-hungry, but at the same time, you know, he basically was trying to call play out on all of his bullshit. Right. Uh, and he's doing the same thing here. And he gets to DJ again near the end. Yeah. But time passes in such a weird way. It, it, it's it's really hard to understand the sequence of events. Like, one, the whole conceit of I have to give my check to this person in line to pay my tuition even though I've already arrived and moved into the dorms that's very weird to me okay i mean you went to a college out of the city not out of the state i did not have like the the college experience i lived at home while i just drove to college so i didn't live on campus i also didn't have to deliver any checks to anybody because i got like student loans so I but remember again, I, having, I, but I thought you had to pick your classes before you even like yeah. start. I was like, why are they picking their classes like the second they move in these dorms? Exactly. <laughs> that was also very confusing to me. Because by just, the like, time they can choose whatever they want, like classes fill up. Yeah, like, I was so like, these classes are going to be full, and then you won't have to take these classes because there's already like the allotted amount students in them, and then you're stuck with like whatever 101 i don't even know yeah i don't fully remember how it worked but i mean obviously i was part of like a larger university and i think we had to pick our classes ahead of time and pick more than what we could have so that if something on our list you know oh, top was priority full. was full then we would get assigned your something second, on your second choice yeah oh I I, i'm pretty sure we had to, to tier it like that but it's been a long time since i've that's I, but I've seen sure. this. But it definitely wasn't the day other, of right moving in. <laughs> and, but I've seen this in other like teen college night. Like I'm thinking PCU again, but I haven't seen that movie in so long. But I'm thinking of like that where it it just seems like that's even just watching like early two thousands like college teen movies. It's like the like even like American Pie and stuff. I sure. don't know. Yeah, Van Wilder and whatnot. Yeah, too. it's all kind of like the same. It seems like they go there and they're like, "Oh, I need to start buying my books." And I'm like, "I already had all this stuff ahead of time." Yeah, I don't think I had the books ahead of time, but I definitely once I knew what classes I was going to have, that was one of the first things I did when going there. Oh, okay. Was, I don't know. was to buy the books from the local bookstore. But man, one hundred twenty-three dollars for books. That's and, how much one book is when I had to go to college. And here's the other weird part about that whole sequence. So he tries to buy his books. The check he's using is bad. It bounces. And so the clerk there, you know, the yeah, the, the Japanese one that the has Asian the direction. Woman. Yes. Um, she's like, okay, well, you have to go to the finance office to work this out. I'm like, is this not like a personal check? Like, is but is I the, was like, the, where did he get that univer- check? Right, is the university issuing him checks to pay for his books? 
that will that, only clear if he pays with the other check. Like, how does money work in this world? That's, but I thought he got that check from the church, and I thought that was the check to pay for all of his college. I was like, what is this separate check that he has that's not the check for his tuition? I'll have to... I, I don't know. I'll have to see if I can find out when I'm taking screenshots for this. But... Like, he just had extra money for himself i know that maybe? the check that he was going to pay tuition with was addressed to him yeah for ten thousand dollars so but he, he never cashed that into the bank no to write because... another check to the yes. school what he did was he i guess he was just going to sign over the check to the school but he didn't even have it because play right, but had if he it. did have it i'm assuming yeah. he would have like said okay now here's the check addressed to me you can have it and like let's you know unless you cash it the back there's no way you can cash a ten thousand like if you give someone ten thousand dollars in a check form they're gonna be like you're gonna have to like go cash this i don't know how, how are you gonna get like so it's 123 dollars for his books you're gonna get nine thousand nine hundred dollars yeah. yeah whatever check he was using in the back was definitely different i know i just don't know where that check came from or like again did the school give him a check and it didn't clear because his tuition didn't clear like i don't understand how this works i don't know so whatever that's when he finds out that his money isn't there um like you know that play did not cash the check as expected because play was somehow supposed to deposit his tuition with the school how that was gonna work i don't know like in the bank he was like oh it's in the bank but like how can you do that on someone else's behalf i don't know unless that person signs it over i don't know i mean i know this is just it's yeah it's a movie yeah it's movie logic but it it does take us out of it and then okay so then you have play's side of the story where play is trying to get kid and play like a record deal and iman who's play her name is sheila landreau but we we find out she's like a scammer and she has like three other names but she listens to their tape and she's like yeah i can give you a deal but blah 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 this and that but she has like this other guy louis 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 plays rick uh so yeah louis louis is another musical artist virtually all of the people in this movie have some sort of musical career except for iman yeah (laughs) i don't know she was married she was married to david bowie but i don't think she did anything released a single i don't really like even tisha campbell had a single yeah, yeah, so like they they plan to have a session, and then basically uh, the next part of the scam is that Iman comes in and says, "Oh, Rick left with the money, and he's like, whatever. I I just need a little bit of money to get us to the recording session. You'll be paid back immediately, right? Whatever." And, and he's so like, that's... "All I have is this check." Yeah, and she takes it, but how can she take that money and cash it if it's not in yeah. her name? Right not signed or anything so i was like you can't even take that money no uh. yeah movie magic um and so I yeah mean, they, they try I don't, to... and then like even so couldn't you like just rewrite that because that money has never been cashed yeah or ask kid to call the bank and cancel right <laughs> i don't i know this is like real world this and... is where you learn about life is in college 
And some of the things you need to learn about life is how as an eleven year old money I was not works. making. I was like not paying attention to any of this. I was like, I don't know anything about checks yet. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is you're like, $10, oh, that 000. makes sense. This represents ten thousand dollars. That's yeah. all you need to know. Um, and so yeah, they they try to go to the actual record company to confront them, and that's when you know the people on the other side of the buzzer say, yeah, Sheila does not work for this company we've never heard of you we're not expecting you go away yeah, we don't even know who sheila is and then the and then cops force, all of a sudden appear well full force comes up as well because they oh they've been also conned. duped by yeah. them and we get to see full force do a shitty rap in the record store earlier than that which that was was it meant to be bad yes it was, bad. It was meant <laughs> to be really really bad <laughs> it, yeah it was bad <laughs> so, so that was a fun little spot um, and then the cops come and they arrest the full force guys for some reason. I was like, let play and, and Bilal go. Like, what did they do? Like, they got scammed too. Right. I, that scene, I was confused. So the cops appeared. Like, who called them? Did they were they just driving by and they saw a bunch of black men? They were like, uh oh. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's sort of how it happened in the first one. Right. It's more obvious that that's why. In the first movie, they're like, they, in the first movie, I mean, they do, the first movie is like, eons better than this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because they do talk about like the racism between like the, it's the white cops with, you know, it's just like a black man just walking down the street and they get pulled over for just being black. I mean, they talk about that, they do a good job showing that, but this is sort of the same. Yeah, but we have no idea why the cops are there to begin with. And they, they only... They, but they're aware of Sheila, so it almost makes it sound like they're trying to catch Sheila and they, they're arresting these guys instead. Yeah. But they don't say why. That's what confused me. I was like, why are those three guys arrested, but not... How come they didn't arrest all five of, like, Play and Bilal? Yeah. It's as not like well as them. They weren't fighting. They weren't doing anything. Yeah, they were just, like confronting each other like hey you scammed us and they're like no you've been scammed by this person and then they're like oh we've been scammed and then cops yeah appear and then oh these guys get arrested yeah and then the cops are like oh we've been looking for that sheila aka so-and-so and so-and-so for a while and these are the only two cops so they arrest them in the city right in the city of what L.A. Yeah. Whatever part of L.A. they're in, I don't think they said. Because they show up at the, the party at the end Right. Well. I was like, those are the only two those cops only in the entire cops. city. Um, but there were only two cops in the first one, too. So. Right. I think this movie misses... I think they're trying too much to bring some of the callbacks, but one thing that they missed was, again, like Robin Harris, but also... John Witherspoon, they didn't have that type of character just riffing on the situation. Mm. You know how he was just calling out the window and oh yeah yeah just you just know making heckling funny comments exactly. t- towards all the kids coming up to the party. They don't have anything like that here. The closest that I can think of it that is an unusual adult character is the dean. The kid has to go see after his bookstore check bounces and all right he's not that wacky but at one point he's you know basically saying this isn't a racial thing it's a deadbeat thing and he just like he goes off and like deadbeat 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 like mm-hmm. he's you know kind of like throwing a little temper tantrum and he's like you have one week to pay 
Yeah, he was like the custodian in career opportunities. <laughs> in that, in that, what like you wanted to have more interactions with the dean, but you didn't get it. Kinda, but then just yeah, he, the same type of demeanor where he was just automatically mad because these are just all all the teenagers working here are all deadbeats mm. so i just automatically just hate all these teenagers yeah so I'm if you're in be my office you. then yeah uh, uh, you're automatically just a deadbeat because i uh, all the people that come into my office are deadbeats but he comes that, around at the end yeah you know he has this little moment of whatever well because he sees kid trying yeah and also he sees that miles mm. who works his desk be the the bad guy yeah um and and yeah, so that's where we first meet Miles in that scene, and Miles pretends to be Kid's friend, and uh, it's really just a two-faced yeah, individual. Yeah, mo- he moves in on Sydney, like, Kid and Sydney are having issues with their relationship, they... Which, again, how much time has passed? They break up, like, <laughs> Like, the next day, it seems like? <laughs> I don't know. It seems it seems like it's like the next day. All the I don't know how much time is actually passing in this whole movie. It seems like a week. But it seem it it kind of looked it, it was over a semester because by the time that uh, he they have that party and needs money, he can't be in. Oh, well, I don't know because then the they, dean gave him one week to get ten thousand dollars, or else he would no longer be a student. So that was over a matter of a week then. That's what I'm saying. And it just seems like that's And then he weird. didn't have the money because near the end of the movie, he's like moving out of that house and Jamal's like, oh man. But then all of a sudden he gets this money and then he's like, I'm moving back in. Like you didn't even go to like financial services or whatever. Yeah, I'm sure that was going to be his next stop. So I mean, <laughs> it, surprise, everything works out in the end. But I mean, he had the money, and then he didn't have the money, and then he had the money from the party, then he didn't have the money, and then he has the money at the end. But, I mean, in the meantime, like, he's getting a job at the dining hall, and he's working for Mr. Lee, who's mm-hmm. in this decked-out military outfit, with which is also, like, a chef's outfit, so he has, like, all kinds of medals and decorations. Yeah, like, he decorations. was a former Vietnam vet or something. But I think those Trying are all things something. that he's given himself, because he gives out, like, pins and awards to his workers. Oh, like, world As well. <laughs> um, you know, dishwasher. Because squeezing he, all the oranges yeah, went up really well, and he's like, you've earned your orange first squeeze, squeezer. Yeah, <laughs> you've earned your first pin. Yeah, and then he takes it away when he learns out he's no longer a student. Yeah, um, Mr. Lee, I think is supposed to be the father type. Well, one of two father type figures in this, but I don't. I didn't get that relationship um, as much as the movie wanted us to. They have such brief interactions with each other but the way that they yeah. the way they talk at the end where he's like mr lee thank you very much for everything and like you know makes it sound like this you've given me like they this massive amount of support a, yeah none of like that's really friendship. in the movie it's all montages yeah well because i don't so he has to write that paper yeah so that's the other father less figure of, less than a week too. yeah so he has to write that paper in less than a week um he has to work at the dining hall to possibly get $10,000 worth of wages in a week, which isn't going to happen, obviously. Um, it's really just a way to set up the fact that he could steal the key for the dining hall, so that's where they could they throw the party. party. 
That's yeah. the only reason that whole thing really exists because he wasn't going to be. Doing and that. then you have okay, so then play is like I'm gonna have you know this pajama party, and then him and Bilal come up with this whole thing, and then they're gonna charge yeah, and what? Jamal, the three of them kind of come up. But yeah. Oh, Jamal, okay. And they're like, we're going to charge, what, $5? $10 a head to guys. To Women, guys. if dressed Women... appropriately, are free. Yes. But That's I'm like, are of... you going to get $10,000? That's exactly what I wrote worth, down to. Worth of all those people there, maybe? Plus, like, okay. They totally skip how they got all this equipment all these decorations yeah because like all the flashy mo- light up stage that they had like was that part of the dining hall originally no because the, the stage was like raised up and i'm like how do they have all this equipment and money for all of this stuff why can't you use all that stuff sell it and then give kid the money <laughs> and then you would have no Don't you party. You have to hire like Tony, 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 and yeah, Ralph's it was response. like Tony, Tony, Tony. All of a sudden, is there? Yep. Singing their song. The original and then, song yes. for the movie, which is not very good. I don't know. It's fine. It's fine. I like Tony, great. Tony, Tony. So it's not a great song <laughs> compared to other ones they've had. To, yeah, there are other songs. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. It was was the uh, Ralph Trisvant song original, the Yo Baby Yo type of thing. I think it was. I think for this soundtrack. That was a better one. That was a better song. Yeah, and then the then you know, you have Zora who she's also they find out that she's a rapper, Queen Latifah. So you have Zora she, who comes She doesn't up. rap on stage though. But they see her rapping. They're like, "Whoa, a woman can rap type of thing." No, the uh the scam artists see her at the rally. There was a part where she was rapping. Was that at, at the, the rally. at the rally? At okay. The rally. And that's when, um... But didn't, that's like, when that's when Kid Louis saw Louis. her. Yeah, Kid saw her, but also Louie Louie, Rick, saw her. Yes. And gives him the card, and that's how, like, Amon and Rick show up at the party, is because they're trying to court and scam Zora. Yes. So they're there at the party. Okay, She never so, raps on stage. No. I, okay, Jamal she raps ra- on stage. Oh, yeah. And so, so Kid, I mean, yeah, okay, so at that rally, it was like a black, it was, it was uh, kind of like a black history... Like it was we, a protest to prevent them from cutting fundings to cultural studies, I think is what they to, called it. To, it was to further the black history studies. Yeah, they're going to cut the budget like, of the, you know... Like all the professors, the cultural just and, the classes. And, and race studies. Yeah. And, and so they're there to protest that. She raps, and then, you know, kids there because he knows that Sydney would be there. Or Zora tells him. Zora tells she's him g- that Sydney's going to be there. Sydney's going to be there because, you know, they still miss, miss each other after breaking up for like two days. And then all of a sudden, Sydney's like with Miles. Mm-hmm. And, but he's at the rally. He sees them. But then, you know, Zora's rapping and he's like blown away that she raps. It's the best musical part of the movie up to that point. Yeah. By far. Because, I mean,. Another thing that's missing from this is the rap. Like, there even really weren't that many rap songs or hip-hop songs in the background. Even their song, even their Ain't Gonna Hurt Nobody song. That's not till the very end. I know, but that's not really... <laughs> My point is, like, in the first one you have, like, 
a house party establishing going. Yeah, and they're like the doing rap battles. And so you have songs playing, you have like this fun atmosphere, and in this one you have sound effects. And then and no just, music really until this party. Yeah, like you don't even you have um, boys to men. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Played multiple times anytime pops is mentioned, basically. Right. But other than that, you don't have any contemporary songs to act as background filler. You know, to fill in montage sequences. So it's not until nearly two thirds into the movie when you have Queen Latifah rapping that you can actually like have this type of stuff that you're probably expecting in a movie full of musicians. Yes. They just cram it all in the end instead of kind of spacing things out. Right. I mean, even in the original one, he had some original raps that acted sort of like a movie ma- musical where he's, you know, like when he was in the prison and he was yeah, rapping, yeah. Um, you know, improv rapping about his situation. Right. None of that happens here no. either. They, they only sing that ain't gonna hurt nobody. That was like their yeah. rap. They don't... They don't even do their, music. their own music because I know in the first movie it's always them like no I want to oh I no I want to rap it's like they were fighting for the mic mm-hmm. and then they do this like battle they don't do any of that they just like okay we're up next on stage let's sing our song but not really sing it because like kid is looking out in the crowd at Miles yeah, Miles and Sydney Sydney sort of dancing and then, Miles like maybe is like. Giving giving Sydney alcohol, yeah, and which may have something in it. Yeah, it's that's... tough to know for sure. And then Kid has another hallucination. While he's on, while stage, he's on stage, supposedly showing singing. Miles with the wolf mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As if he didn't know that he was like saying, "This is my woman now," or whatever. Basically, I mean, which is basically what Miles had said is like, "Look, I'm playing Sydney, like, you know." Right. They know he's a bad guy. So right. He, uh, it is such a weird sequence. But yeah, so Kid is completely out of it while rapping because he's focused on the whole Sydney situation. He sees Miles taking Sydney up the stairs, and that's when he just gets off the stage and he's like, no, get your hands off my woman. And then that's, they get into a fight. But then while Play is still on stage supposedly rapping, he sees... Rick and uh, Sheila Landreau yeah. with Queen Latifah trying to sign her up. And then he's like, oh, that's those are the people that stole Kid's money. And then everyone kind of like stopped. Like the entire school knew who Kid was. It was like, let's get these people. And that's when they start the whole chase scene. Yeah, and full force is there at this point because they had been looking for the party as security guards. This is an illegal gathering, and so they're going to right. go and try to bust it. And they finally get there, and about right when they do arrive at the right location, because they didn't know where it was, so they you know had a couple sequences where they just go into random yeah, empty like the library and, or something. Um, so once they get there, that's when Sheila and, and Rick are found, and so it basically starts this massive Scooby Doo sequence. Where people are going into doors on one side of the hallway, they pop out, out of doors from the other side of the hallway, and like on, on the, the rooftop, roof. they're yeah. you know coming from every which way. And during that time, you have like Motown Philly playing at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, how come they couldn't have? Uh, was uh, Boys to Men like too famous at this point to have them play on stage? I don't. I, were they? Would they have been at this point? This is early. 
I mean, right? it's the beginning of like their career. Yeah, because I, like I was listening to these songs and I'm thinking, Boys to Men have not showed up on our chart that we've mentioned on the podcast so far. They haven't been on the, like top, the top five, five. at this point. So I know that they have their songs that their album has been like this is like the beginning of their career. Yeah, I was wondering if this you know if this movie came out like right when that album was dropping. I don't know when that that record came out but yeah i mean who knows there's so many people you don't need more characters what would they do right they they throw so many different people in this thing um but yeah big rooftop chase that's when the guy uh the callback to the the fucking guy from the first one comes into play and you know him with the gun yeah um there's and then everybody leaves except for miles and kid who are on the roof and then Kid tricks him into falling through the glass, and so Miles falls into a cake. And then Kid somehow almost falls onto the street, but plays there to catch him. And, you know, everyone is caught. And they made. Okay, so Cooley High Harmony was released April 30th, 1991. Oh, okay. So it's been like six months. Right. At this point. They could have had them, and then that would have made Boysman even like more. <laughs> like famous even though just that album alone yeah i don't know made them famous if they would have made the movie more party oriented maybe that would have helped they could have seen like motown philly as the on the stage as this was happening yeah yeah they could have who knows if they even reached out right Um, they they just got like 2020 tony which oh that's fine yeah and the one guy from New Edition. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And so, then you have Jamal. And then you have Jamal. One one fifth of young black teenagers. Um, did you know DJ Scribble was in that group too? I, I looked into that and I was like, oh, interesting. Like, I didn't listen to any other songs. Tap the Bottle. That was their big hit. I don't know it. You might you? know it if you hear it. Right. So, that's that's Jamal's only acting role, by the way, which is kind of odd. Because yeah. he wasn't bad as... as oh, it was fine. Or Cameron's only acting role as Jamal. Um, he, he did what he was supposed to do. I like that he got... You know, when they were telling people around campus about the party, like, Jamal kept getting slapped. Right, that and was only funny. him. <laughs> right, all, so. like, he was whispering and all the... Well, it was him and Bilal, right? Yeah, and play, And too. play sometimes. Yeah, and you know Bilal would be like whispering in secret so that full force guys wouldn't. Right, they but they were sort of just whispering in these girls' ears like, "Hey, wear your pajamas," and then these girls like look around and just slap it, but they're only slapping Cameron only. Yeah, because like Bilal will be like ducking or whatever, and like Pee Wee's trying to dress up in like cheerleaders' garb to try to pretend learn what's going on. Yeah, 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 to pretend get whispered in the ear mm-hmm. <laughs> with the details so yeah it, it's interesting i mean yeah this is a movie it's, for kids it's all over the place but it's r-rated because of the language oh yeah and, and same thing with the first one i think with it's something that's really interesting about both of these is that the only time you see anybody have alcohol at all is when like sydney takes that drink from miles right and it's like this massive party the only time you have like any sort of like sexuality is when they have that that one the bigger guy, guy yeah who has the gun and that's the only time you have like gunplay and shit like that too it, you know it's 
if it weren't for the language, this would basically be a PG movie. Yeah. I think. Like, not even PG-13. Like, I think, you know, there's case to be had for just normal PG. You'd have to take out, you know, the the jerk-off motion from the the, <laughs> the record store worker yeah, at the beginning with, like, the squeaking noise. That noise that they made every time he did it. Yeah. God, yeah, the sound effects are so distracting. But it's, it's weird. Like, this movie doesn't know what it wants to be at times because of, you know, how playful it tries to be with the sound effects and the, the whatever in some of the situations. Is it just, like, this is... <laughs> It's like, parents, take your kids to these movies because we'll have, like, Looney Tunes effects. I don't know. But, it, like, it's... It makes the messages that the movie tries to impart less meaningful, less effective. Like, probably the most insightful part of the movie is when the professor is assigning the 20-page paper to kid. Mm-hmm. You know, the professor... Uh, what's, what's his professor name? Professor Sinclair. Sinclair. Um... And he's, you know, kids like life is, you know, that's not fair. And he's like, life is not fair. And he goes on to explain like, you know, this is the college experience for you. Like, it's right. not fair that people can buy their way into college. It's not fair that you have to yeah, prove that yourself. Yeah, scene was a good scene. Everyone, you know, like all that stuff that he's saying and some of the other stuff that is said in the classes and, you know, by Queen Latifah, it's meaningful, it's impactful, but it gets lost in the flood of, you know, squeaky noises and boings and looney tunes yeah that happens so it's unfortunate because it could have been better it would have been a lot better if they could have found a way to get to the um party sooner um i appreciated that they had some callbacks to some of the gags from the first one but Mm -hmm. some of them did really seem wedged in like Play, the, there's something wrong with the toilet. Yeah, the toilets. I'm like, there's one like, toilet in this all enti- over again. It's like there's one toilet in this entire whatever building right. that they're in. Yeah, I mean, clearly it's a dining hall, so they have like a whole thing. They Wouldn't just you to have stalls? The, they just wanted to mention the toilet. Right. And we don't see it. Uh, and then Groove and Chill make cameo appearances as yeah, well. So bumping, Chill is bumping into the Bumping table. into his... Uh, record or the dj set like skipping records because he keeps bumping in the table uh and then you have a very brief dance off as well but it's not it nearly as interesting or epic like as, a, as the first one. right it kind of looks like similar to the first movie like the dance moves looks very similar yeah and and so then sydney, like, like sydney bumps taps you know, like, into taps a girl, girl that, like, yeah let's do this and then they just automatically know because yeah. and then they also if there's like Shireen showing up then sure right. but she's not back for the second one no I mean I have stuff about or Shireen. even if it was Zora it would have been you know like hey Zora let's do this Zora was like too busy getting her record deal exactly but yeah it, but it was like a Shireen lookalike it had like the same type of like hair and clothes right so it it was yeah. She just taps a random girl. She's like, "Let's do this," and they automatically just know like, the same dance moves. Mhm. But I mean, the dance off wasn't nearly as interesting. No. And it was shorter. Yeah. Because I, I think uh, that's when like Miles comes in or whatever and ruins everything. Mm, yeah, maybe. I don't remember anymore. It's starting to become a blur, even though we just watched it a couple days ago. Yeah. I think, yeah, by the time another couple weeks passed, this may be back out of my memory, the way it was the first time I watched it. (laughs) Maybe not so much now that we're talking about it, but yeah. 
it's just it, it it's all over the place but it, it resolves nicely so yeah like we said okay so play gets the money from the party he gets the ten thousand dollars worth of money from the party and he gives it to mr lee to pay for the damages that they caused from the fight and you know the right. whatever happened with miles and whatever and then um so he's gonna be leaving school He's like, I gotta go say goodbye to a couple people first. And so he says goodbye to Mr. Lee like that. Um, and then he says goodbye to uh, Professor Sinclair, who gives him the grade on the paper. And it's like, you deserve to be here. I'm sorry that this is happening to you. Like, you know, people who are in the situation, they don't come back. Like all this stuff with Professor Sinclair, mm-hmm. I wish that was a separate movie that they could have done and just like found, you know what I mean? Like he didn't fit in this movie, but it was worth watching. Mm-hmm. Um, you can watch like higher learning or something. Yeah, I don't remember class act, <laughs> but like you know, I, I mean, class act we have has on nothing class, but, to um, do. Uh, I, I mean, know, but I'm, yeah, it's it's the kid and play school movie. You know, yeah, school but movie. that's like they're still high school. I saw that. I saw this is like separate. I don't know. I saw Class Act at least twice in the theater. <laughs> so I know that movie well for some reason. Because my friend and I really like that movie more than I, this. Oh, yeah. I, I, but that's like a high school movie. So, <laughs> but, um, I'll just say that the stuff with Professor Sinclair is probably the most interesting stuff in the movie. Um, so he says goodbye to him. And then that's when Play comes to pick him up to drive, move him out. And instead of his flashy car, the the four play, yeah, which is his like red Mustang. convertible. Yeah, it was a Mustang. Um, he is back to the car from the first movie, like the beater. Um, and he used the cash from selling his car to give to kid so he can stay in school. So, yes. Lessons learned, all that kind of good stuff. And then they have, uh, yeah, the frat dancers doing, like, stepping moves in the credits over what look like they're supposed to be bloopers, but they're really but just, it like, was just random they're just scenes. snippets of scenes that we saw. Yeah, it was like, remember the scene from 20 minutes ago? Like, alternate takes. They're not, like, they're not flubbing lines. They're not doing, it just seemed like there's alternate takes of stuff we saw. Yeah, it was. Fake bloops. The worst bloops I've ever seen. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they weren't even really they bloops. No. Let's talk about the casting crew a little bit. Uh, we got two directors, right? So we got George Jackson and Doug McHenry. This is the only uh, thing that George Jackson directed. Uh, but he's partnered with Doug McHenry to produce a lot of stuff. Um, George has done Crush Groove, New Jack City. He was a producer on that. He also did House Party 3, Jason's Lyric, which Doug McHenry directed, Thin Line Between Love and Hate with Martin Lawrence, and also the Malcolm and Eddie TV series. Um, Rusty Cundiff, as a writer, has a Razzie nomination for Worst Director, uh, which is shared with a bunch of people for that movie, Movie 43, which I kind of like barely forgot or you know, barely remembered that that existed. It's sort of like an anthology, mm-hmm. shitty comedy movie. So every director of movie uh, 43 was nominated for Razzie there. Um, he's an NAACP Image Award nominee for Whitewater. Uh, he's also written things like Fear of Black Hat, 
Tales from the Hood 1, 2, and 3, Black Jesus, that TV show on Adult Swim. Uh, he's done directing work for Chappelle's show, Wanda Sykes, Human Giant, and also the new Creep Show reboot. Uh, Daryl Nickens, Daryl G. Nickens, is Emmy nominated for You Must Remember This. Uh, he's also done 227, The Famous Jet Jackson, and Webster. So he's been writing for a lot of TV stuff. And uh, Pearl from 227 is the one who played uh, Mrs. Deavers in this. Christopher Reed and Christopher Martin, in terms of acting, they basically just did the House Party movies and then uh, Class Act, and that's virtually it. Chris Reed, who plays Kid, is uh, he was also in like Spec Ops, the line, a video game. Um, he was Spirit nominated for House Party 1. He was a Kid's mm. Choice nominee for Favorite Actor in 1993, which was probably for Class Act. Maybe. Most likely. Um, he's also done some work in Sister Sister, the TV show. Uh, and he also moved on to try to do a stand-up career. I don't know if you remember that, but he... I think Transition he's currently into, doing that because he's probably still trying to. Yeah, he's some of the podcasts I listen to now with comedians. They travel. They bring him in with him. But yeah, Kid and Play stopped making music around 1995 together, but they still get together for special appearances on TV shows as themselves or whatever, like Celebrity Hip Hop Squares and stuff like that. But uh, Christopher Martin, who was Play, he went on to be a Christian evangelist and motivational speaker after leaving the music business largely behind, I guess. Um, Full Force, we already talked about. Bowlegged Lou, Paul Anthony, and B-Fine played Pee-wee, Stab, and Zilla. Uh, they also were in Who's the Man, but largely, again, it's just the house party movies, and that's about it. Um, they are much more prolific in terms of like writing and producing than I ever would have imagined um, going into this. They... Uh, Wrote and produced UTFO's Roxanne Roxanne, which, you know, spurred a whole lot of response songs like Roxanne Shantae and like that her whole career is because of UTFO's song. Um, he, they've written for James Brown. They did uh, the song I'm Real for mm. James Brown. They did uh, virtually all of Lisa Lisa and the Cult Jams stuff. Mm. Um, they are behind All I Have to Give from the Backstreet Boys. So... And then uh, their song Ain't My Type of Hype was featured heavily in the first movie as well. The Full Force song. Um, we'll talk about Tisha Campbell, who plays Sydney. Spirit nominated for House Party as well. Uh, Image Award nominations for Martin. Uh, she has Image wins and nominations for My Wife and Kids. She was also nominated for Rita. Rocks. I didn't realize she was on Dr. Ken and that, that, and that Dr. Ken lasted for 44 episodes, that Ken Jong show on oh. NBC. Mm-hmm. Evidently that lasted for like two seasons. She was part of that. I never watched it. She was in Little Shop of Horrors as one of the, the doo-wop trio. Mm. Uh, Rags to Riches. She was in School Days. Uh, so she's been in a, you know, a bunch of TV stuff throughout her life here. Um, in 1991, you might have also seen her in TV spots on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Different World, Blossom. But she's most well-known for uh, probably being on the Martin um, TV show with Martin Lawrence, which she left around 1997 when she sued Martin Lawrence for sexual harassment. But she will be appearing in the Martin reunion show that will be happening soon on BET+. Hmm. So... 
Martin Lawrence, by the way, who played Bilal, BET Comedy Award Icon Award winner in 2005. He got his start on the sitcom What's Happening Now in the 80s. He was in Do the Right Thing. Uh, in 1991, we'll see him in Talking Dirty After Dark. He's been in stuff like Boomerang, Bad Boys, Big Mama's House, uh, Blue Streak, Life, Black Knight, Thin Love, Between Love and Hate. Um, and for the Martin TV show, he won two Image Award uh, awards and had one additional nomination. He had three Kids' Choice nominees nominations for Martin and also Big Mama's House. Uh, nominated for MTV Movie Awards Best Duo for Bad Boys 1 and 2 and also Best Comedic Performance for Big Mama's House. And then he has a Razzie Award nomination for Worst Actress for Big Mama's Like Father, Like Son sequel, mm. which I think is like the third movie in that whatever trilogy um iman we're gonna see a whole bunch so i won't really talk about her uh she's in one two three four more 1991 movies la story lies of the twin linguini incident and star trek six she's in all of those she was very busy uh queen latifah as zora oscar nomination i think our only one on this list for chicago uh emmy winner for bessie as a producer also nominated as an actress for that same uh, program spirit nomination for set it off golden globe winner for life support grammy winner of course uh, for unity and six other nominations many many naacp image nominations and four wins for bringing down the house mtv nominations for bringing down the house stinkers nominations for <laughs> worst couple uh jimmy fallon and taxi Aww. do you remember that movie <laughs> Um, probably well known for Living Single, Living Out Loud. Uh, she's also in Ice Age 2 through 5, which I didn't realize. Um, and she's also currently on the CBS series Equalizer. And we'll see her again in 1991's Jungle Fever. Uh, Professor Sinclair is most known for directing. George Stanford Brown played for Professor Sinclair. He has an Emmy directing win for Cagney and Lacey. He has two other nominations for Hill Street Blues. Um, he's also directed things like uh, The Rookies, which he also had a, a role in, uh, Miami Vice, Magnum P.I., Dynasty, Fall Guys, Charlie's Angels. He's directed episodes in all those series. He also has a Razzie nomination for Worst Supporting Actress in the movie Stir Crazy. So evidently he donned some drag in, in, the, uh, in that movie. And he also is well-known for his short role in Roots. Uh, Tony Burton played Mr. Lee. He was uh, in Rocky 1 through 6 as Apollo Creed's trainer, Duke. He is a former boxer himself. Um, also well-known for his role in Assault and Precinct 13. And we'll see him in 1991, Hook. Miles was played by Christopher Judge. He has a Saturn nomination for Stargate SG-1. You know, I've never seen this show, so I'm not going to... I'm going to mispronounce this, um, so I apologize in advance. Teal'c, perhaps? It's T-E-A-L apostrophe C. So it's teal C or Teal'c? Don't know. Never watched it. Sorry. Uh, he's been on, you know, 200 plus episodes of Stargate SG-1. That's how he's probably best known. Uh, T, it looks like Teal'c. Teal'c? Sure. Teal'c. Teal'c. Neither of us has watched no. it. No. 
But, but if I'm you have the pron- sorry. Pronun- <laughs> the pronunciation, it looks like T-Elk. Yeah, whatever. All I know is he's been in more like Stargate SG-1 episodes than even Dean Anderson. He's also done voiceover work as Magneto in X-Men Evolution. And also he has a BAFTA nomination for his work as Kratos in the new God of War video game. Whoopi Goldberg will talk about more when she's in Soap Dish in 1991. Uh, but lastly, I do want to talk about uh, Groove and Chill. Another, you know, probably not, you know, obvious musical connection, but they did have a group called Groove Be Chill. Mm. Um, so Gene Groove Allen and Daryl Mitchell. Daryl Mitchell is probably best known for his acting rather than his music work, though. Um, he has been in things like Ed, Veronica's Closet, Galaxy Quest, The John Larroquette Show. Uh, more recently, he's been in Fear of the Walking Dead and NCIS New Orleans for 143 episodes. But in all of those, he has been in a wheelchair because in 2001, he had a motorcycle accident which paralyzed him from the waist down. So he's still acting, but uh, yeah, like especially like in Fear of the Walking Dead, uh, I know that he has a wheelchair as part of his character. But yeah, those two, the guy who's bumping the table all the time, and uh, Groove, who is the guy who got drunk in the first movie. Mm-hmm. In this one, he's appearing basically as just like a guy who's heckling women on the sidelines. Um, they had a musical group together. I think that's all I have for casting crew. The only award to mention. MTV Movie Awards. But not a real category. It's one of those uh, going to commercial fake nominee um. categories. It was in the best hairdos category so it was just kid yeah just kids high rise flat top yeah so that's it for the pajama jammy jam on to true crime pop culture we go okay so well okay there's two historical events that happened on this day plus october 23rd 1991 was a wednesday when this movie was released which is you know rare Mm -hmm. for a movie to come out this time yeah it's not a big blockbuster event Right, so two historical events. One I was going to get into today, but we can do it later. And then I might do the other one, but they're both, like, controversial. (laughs) The first one is Clarence Thomas was sworn in as U.S. Supreme Court Justice on this day. The other historical event was that Dr. Jack Kevorkian's suicide machine assists two women to commit suicide. Two major events that dominated. Yes. I was going to delve into one of these, but we're going over. And and then I just wanted to speak more about um, AJ Johnson. And um, because I was like, why wasn't she in this movie? Yeah, who played Shireen in the first one? Yeah, she played Shireen, yes. And I found there there was like two articles, one of them I found, and then there was like a YouTube clip that I can probably give to you and this was from last year and then also I saw something recently like an Instagram this was on Instagram but also online that Tisha Campbell and AJ Johnson redid their dance Mm. at Alicia Keys birthday party okay I miss Shireen's family, too. I wish they could have come back. Right. (laughs) I mean, yeah, her whole family. Okay, so this. Yeah, her whole family is great. And her grandma is me right now. (laughs) (laughs) 
literally like laying down. Her grandma literally laying on a couch, staring like a zombie at a TV, not flinching or movie, Uh, moving. That is me (laughs) when I come home. So, okay, in this article, it's I found this on BET.com. An article talking to A.J. Johnson, and she talks about, like, her career, because she was also in school days. And she talks about, in House Party, the their dance battle scene was just something that they did when they were um, just, like, goofing off on set. Mm. It was just, She said that everyone in the film, they filmed House Party 1, the first one, for four weeks, and everyone got $4,000. Hmm. And Tisha Campbell and her, they were friendly with each other, and then they would always sort of, like, josh with Kid and Play, and they... Would te- they would all kind of like cheat, tease each other playfully, and that's when they would do their dances against each other, and that's when the director, Reggie Hudlin, was like, we need to show this on the movie. So they... And she, A.J. Johnson, she was the choreographer for that dance. Okay. She said that that scene with play at the end... This is all from the first movie, <laughs> of course... So near the end of House Party, when, you know, they get Kid out of jail and then Play walks her back to her house and he says, um, if you come with me, I'll take you to Burger King. Yeah. And they did a Burger King commercial together. I have that commercial. Oh, nice. And then okay. we can put it on. She <laughs> said that commercial made her... She made said, more this, money. "Yeah, she yeah. made more more money from that commercial than from this movie." <laughs> and she did that the, air in like nineteen ninety as well. Yeah. Okay. And then she said the she didn't want to. She was looking at the con. So they asked the reason why she didn't want to come back for House Party two or three. And then you know the, we didn't see House Party four, but like no one from House the House Party movies are in House Party. House yeah, n- Party none, none of the original cast. Yeah, yeah. no, no one original. And probably some people from three or in four. Right? I think Immature might be back, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's probably like based off of them. Yeah. But they asked why she wasn't in the two sequels, and she said she was looking at the content of the sequels, and she felt that the content didn't do the characters or the storylines any justice. She was offered the sequel, and she said that if. Shireen took her part in the follow-up movies. She would have been a successful businesswoman owning a clothing store boutique or being a hip-hop fitness dance teacher after high school. Okay. So she wouldn't go... Like how Play became just a record store Manager. manager. She would have just been owning her own store or being a hip-hop fitness teacher. I wonder how she would have factored into the plot overall. Yeah. Because, you know, you have Sydney and Kid going to college. It's like, how would they do this? If they still do the same plot, how would Sheree come into this? Just to, like, help. She would just want to help play and Bilal out because they were all been friends since high school. 
Uh, maybe we can find an original script somewhere. Does anyone have one? <laughs> right. Email it to us. So moving on, I'm just going to talk about TV because I think we talked enough musically. Yeah. We, I mean, music should about... be more full of music, but it's full of music, <laughs> so we covered that ground. I mean, the soundtrack was fine. Mm-hmm. You have the three major songs, like Tony, Tony, Tony's song, Ain't yeah. Gonna Hurt Nobody. I do see that this movie was number one in the box office of that week. And the soundtrack was released October 15th, 1991, and it peaked at 55 on the Billboard 100 Mm. and was number 23 on the R&B hip-hop charts, becoming the most successful of the house party soundtracks, even though the first one is obviously the best one. In terms of movie. In terms of movies and music. (laughs) So TV... On ABC was Dinosaurs, The Wonder Years, Doogie Howser, and then we have three other TV shows on ABC that I've never heard of. One of them called Sibs. Okay. And then the next one called Anything But Love, which I believe that's the one with um, Richard Lewis and Jamie Lee Curtis. Right. So we spoke about that before. Yeah, yeah. And then after that was a show called Good and Evil. So Sibs is an American sitcom that w- it ran from September 91 until April 92. And it was a series chronicling the relationship of three sisters... Hence, Sibs. And not the other show it's not called Sisters. Sisters. I was like, there was too many. There's like another show, what, like, son, like fathers and sons. It's always like fathers yeah. and sons, mothers, daughters, sisters, brothers. Yeah. Why not just Sibs. have a show like people? Yeah. <laughs> Related and, people. So, okay. It's a relationship of three sisters. And the support of the youngest two, especially needed from their eldest married sister. It stars... The oldest sister is played by Marsha Mason. Who... She was... Once again, you have not seen these shows. But she was... She's in Madam Secretary, The Good Wife. She was in The Middle... And then she is now, or was, on Grace and Frankie. Okay. I know you've not seen any of those. She is in the movie Drop Dead Fred, and I think she might be the mom in Drop Dead Fred. Okay. So we'll see her in 1991. Okay. The middle sister is played by an actress named Alex Rocco. She did a lot of voiceover work, but she is best known for her tra- betrayal of Mo Green in The Godfather. Mm. Do you remember who that... I mean, I haven't seen The Godfather it's in a long, long time. It's been a long time. But she's often cast as a villain. Okay. The youngest sister is Jamie Gertz. Okay. So, that, and then Dan Castellaneta... Uh, how do I say his name? I always forget. Castellaneta. Castellaneta. <laughs> He's also in it. But this only lasted one season, and it was 22 episodes. And they only aired 10, so the last 11 were not aired. Sibs was not Sibs. short. Sibs! was not short enough. They had to cut it short. Mm-hmm. 
So the next other show we haven't spoken about is called Good and Evil. This is another, it's a sitcom that was on ABC from September 25th to October 30th, 1991. So just one month. Wow. It was five, well, they had 11 episodes and five were unaired. So Good and Evil was a saga of two sisters. We have more sisters. Oh, okay. <laughs> are, they, are they good? One's good? good and one is oh. evil. Oh, I thought they might both be good. Okay. <laughs> one is an heir to the family cosmetics empire, the other a world-class scientist, and the backstabbing jealousy, power struggles, and travails that occurred between them. This Terry, is a sitcom. Yes. Okay. So Terry Gar, she plays the evil sister. All right. Which, I mean, I would watch that. Sure. I would see her as it. And then Margaret Witten is the good sister. Huh. I think it was too vague of a concept. People There's too know. many like sibling shows. They were like, we've had it. And then another thing that happened on this day, there was a lot going on October 23rd. The World Series was on CBS, and it was the Atlanta Braves versus Minnesota Twins. Yeah. Twins uh, eventually won that one overall. I don't know what day, but yeah. So let's move on to rankings and ratings. Where on your one to five star scale would you put House Party 2? I'm going to give this a two for House Party 2. Oh, okay. You know, I, when I was, we watched them the first time, I had reviewed them for the website I was writing for. Uh, and I gave it a zero Wow. at that time. I'm going to be a little bit more generous, and on my zero to four star scale, I'm going to say it's a half. Wow. <laughs> I was debating between one and two, but I mean, I still it like. It does not deserve to be my first zero ranking on this podcast, okay. but it was not good. No, it's not good, but I do. There's, I just liked some of the situation, even though yeah. there is bad situations, like them making callbacks. Like, their friendship and whatever. I like Bilal. I liked the... Like, I liked Pee-wee. <laughs> I like Sydney. I like Queen Latifah in this. Yeah. I like all the father figures for Kid. Yeah, there's there's enough here to earn it a half star. It just the structure and the sound effects and all the other it, stuff. Is, yeah, that's is, really bad. You can't get it higher than that. I, I would give House Party 1, like, a 4. Yeah, I think that's a three star for me. Yeah. Yeah, three out of four for me. Um, and if I remember right, I think third one was like two and a half. So, like, the third one is a significant improvement. A little over bit better, the, yeah. The second one. Uh, every movie is worth watching once. Would you watch this again? No. Not unless it's a situation where I'm Not watching the full trilogy. Unless, yeah, unless that's they the do a reason. 35, 40 year reunion and it's like you have to dress up in your pajamas at some movie theater and you watch all three or something. Right. Yeah, like an overnight pajama jammy jam. Yeah, and they better, ha they better have Tony, Tony, Tony at this thing. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Boys to Men will finally show up. Yes. Uh, if you out there want to watch House Party 2 as of this recording in February 2022, it's available on HBO, digital rental, VHS, or DVD. As always, check your local listings. As for us, you can find us on all your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. It does help us out a lot. 
You can email us at 1991moviewrewind at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd. Just search 1991 Movie Rewind or go to 1991moviewrewind.com for the full list of movies along the show notes and more. Next week, uh, since we're in year two, we're looking at another sequel. We're looking at Kickboxer 2, The Road Back. That's on Tubi, Vudu, Plex, Roku Channel, Digital Rental, VHS, DVD. We will see you then. Thanks. <laughs>